Hi there. How you doing? It's great to see all of you. Um, I want to tell you something that happened to me about two years ago. I went to the doctor, and uh, it wasn't anything serious. I just went to get a physical, because I was told that's what you're supposed to do when you're a man of my age. Uh, and so I did. I, I went, and um, uh, it was actually when I turned 35. I, I went, and, uh, well, that sounds really old. And uh, so anyway, but they called me back like three days later, and they said, uh, Mr. Franquiz, and I said, yes. And they said, well, um, you came in. We have the results from your physical. And I said, that's great. And they, I said, well, what are they? They said, well, we need you to come in. Uh, we think there, there's something and we need you to come in. And I'm like, well, why don't you go ahead and just tell me what it is now? And they said, well, we can't tell you what it is over the phone. We need you to come in. So anyway, I said, well, I'll come in like first thing tomorrow morning. And, um, you know, it was a weird thing that happens. You, you hang up the phone. And from that minute, I was convinced that I was going to die very soon. Um, and I, I'm not even kidding. I, I was so convinced. And then not only was I convinced, everything started to hurt. I never ever had that. And as I hang up the phone, and I'm like, oh, my back is killing me. And then, like, my neck started to hurt. I got a headache right all at the same time. And it was like I got, like, indigestion, inflammation, insomnia, and insanity. It was all happened all at the same time, that very moment. And um, so I finally get to the doctor, and I ask him, and I say, and, uh, and I'm like, hey, listen, I'm, I'm here. And I went and got my physical last week, and I was waiting for the results, and and, they, and the doctor says, listen, I just have one important question to ask you um, about this, one of the scores on the, on the, on the test. And I said, um, okay. And they said, um, were you conscious when they drew blood from you? And I'm like, who draws blood from a person who's unconscious? I mean, of course I was conscious. Says, yeah, that's what I thought. I think they just inverted the numbers on your glucose level because it looked like you were unconscious. Seriously, I, I've never actually thought about killing anyone until that moment because I'm like, are you kidding me? Like this for like your little joke? Anyway, needless to say, I don't go to him anymore. Um, but it's like, oh, you know, the lab must have made a mistake. And, you know, like and I'm, I'm like dying here because some guy was out drinking the night before and inverted the numbers. And um, now you'll be happy to know I'm as healthy as a horse, uh, which I'm happy about. I don't even know why they say that, because, you know, you know what happens when horses aren't healthy? They get shot. So, I don't know, it's kind of a weird saying. But um, anyway, but the point is this. When you, look, when, you're, when you go to see a doctor, your doctor is looking for a set of numbers that tells whether you are healthy or not, right? Um, you know, because really health comes down to checking a few numbers. If uh, a doctor checks our uh, blood pressure, right, I mean, he's, he's looking for, for, for a number, right? Uh, if, he's, if he's checking our temperature, he's, he's looking for a number, you step on the scale at the doctor's office. He's looking for a number, usually 20 pounds less than whatever it says. And uh, but we so we all have this idea as to what are the markers and the pictures of what physical health looks like. When you have a healthy family, you know what that looks like. Right. There's the indicators. There's love. There's acceptance. There's respect. There's grace. There's generosity. There's all of those things. But now here's the thing that I want to drill down on in the time that we have together this morning is I want to talk about what spiritual health looks like. Because this, I believe, was a challenge for me when I was a young Christian. Because one of the things that I learned as, as, a, as a young guy who, who just came to know Jesus was that a person can actually know a lot about the Bible and not be spiritually healthy. 
that you can actually know a lot about the Bible and be very judgmental and be very mean spirited. And that actually has not just because you've actually been able to cram a lot of verses in your mind doesn't really have anything to do with uh, if you've been able to actually apply those things. Um, I also learned this, that it wasn't just being loving because I, I noticed that people who were just loving and were just, you know, didn't care. Hey, you know, whatever. Everything's good. Um, they had trouble when people got the, uh, met, they met that had like weird teaching and they said, well, you know, we we're just going to be accepting. And, and so they found themselves getting involved in a lot of weird teaching. And what I learned was this, is that it wasn't just knowledge without love. It wasn't love without knowledge, but instead it was truth and love working together that created spiritual health. And that's one of the things that I want to focus on as we finish our study in the book of Romans today in Romans chapter 16, because I believe that Paul gives us a template by which to work from, and that is in what spiritual health looks like. Uh, several years ago in studying this chapter, I, I just I, I noticed it, that what I, what I found was, and we know this, that when we talk about health, whether it's physical health, familial health, whether it's spiritual health, whatever it is, a lot of times what we'll do is, this is the wrong thing, we'll focus on the unhealthy thing we're trying to get rid of as opposed to the healthy thing that we want to actually replace the bad habit or, or, or whatever it is. To give you an example, in the book of Ephesians, chapter 4, um, the Apostle Paul tells the person who steals, he says, the person who steals, steal no more. But he's, that's, that's not where the statement ends. He says, the person who steals, steal no more, and then use your hands to do something good to help those in need. So the idea is this. If you steal, it's not just stop stealing. That's the first part. The second part is the hands that used to steal now turn and use them for the purpose of generosity. We all know that this is true physically. If you've ever been on a diet or an eating plan or whatever, one of the first things that they'll tell you is that, you know, you don't focus on losing the weight. You focus on getting healthy. Right. That, that's that. And if you will focus on that, then that's where that's where the change comes. The same thing is true spiritually. You know, when instead of focusing on um, a bad attitude that needs to change, here's what I here's what the Bible, you know, commands us to or recommends to us, it says this, instead of focusing on that, it's got to go, but instead do this, focusing on giving thanks and gratitude, because it's impossible to be grateful and a sourpuss at the same time, right? These two emotions are mutually exclusive. You can't have a bad attitude and be grateful at the same time. It just, it doesn't, it doesn't work, right? Um, people come to know Jesus and they say, man, I, you know, pastor, I just, you know, I, I, I have a terrible mouth and I want to clean up my language and all that. And I remember I used to cuss like a sailor before I came to know Jesus. So I, I can appreciate that dilemma. And uh, but here's what I here, here's what, here's the thing. Um, instead of focusing on, you know, monitoring every single word, which I'm not saying is a terrible thing. Why don't you do this? Why don't you focus the words that you say on blessing others, talking about what God has done in your life? And you know what you'll have? You know what will happen? The other the language that you've used that maybe you think doesn't glorify God, that will that will simply it's going to melt away because it's not the thing that you're focusing on, because the issue is focusing on the habits that produce health in our lives. Same thing is true in marriage. I mean, we can just go on and on as to 
Um, like a lot of times in, in marriage, it's the same thing. It's, well, I just want my, I want my marriage to change. And so we focus on the other person changing. And so, but here's, once again, what does the Bible command us to do? Focus on us changing, becoming, instead of I want him to be Mr. Right, why don't we focus on being Mrs. Right? Oh, but I want her to be the woman of my dreams. Why don't you focus on being the man of her dreams? And you know what will happen? You'll find your relationship beginning to change because that's the way that health works. So after 15 chapters of Paul explaining what the gospel is, the transforming power of the gospel to bring us from death to life, the transforming power of the gospel to change us in our everyday lives, now he gets to the end and he wants to talk to us about this issue of health. Look at what he says. I'm invite you to open to chapter 16 of Romans. We're going to read a few verses here, starting in verse one. He says, I commend to you, Phoebe, our sister, who is a servant of the church in Centria, that you receive her in the Lord in a manner worthy of the saints and assist her in whatever business she has need of you. For indeed, she has been a helper of many and of myself also. Greet Priscilla and Aquila. Fellow workers in Christ Jesus who risked their own necks for my life, to whom I not only uh, give thanks, but also all the churches of the Gentiles. Likewise, greet the church that is in their house and greet my beloved Apennius, who is the first fruits of Achaia to Christ. And if you pause there and give me your attention, here, here's the first thing. If you want to have spiritual health in your life, then here's the first thing that I would say from these verses. Number one is build up your friends. Build up your friends. Listen, we all know people who can turn anything into a downer, right? Um, there are people that we told that we're having our third child and people rejoiced with us, right? And then there were people that we uh, told and they were like, well, so you must really like sleepless nights, changing diapers. You know, it costs a lot of money to put three kids to, through college. And it's like, well, yeah, I guess it does. And it was like this total bump you know i mean it's like well what is that and i mean you know once again i just made a like a note don't ever talk to those people again uh and and the thing is this why because nobody likes being around someone who turns everything into a bummer and 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 the thing is it, and this is the other part that's important to note is that it hurts you to do that in your own life when you show up and you like walk into a room and you just start talking negative and you start bringing everybody down as opposed to building people up. You, you know, you know what happens? What happens is, is, is that that begins to hurt you. Listen, when you're constantly looking to the negatives in life and situations, what can you possibly bring to the table but negativity and hostility? You know, I mean, I, I talked to a lot of people and one of the, the decisions that I made years ago was that when people come to me with their dreams, their ideas, their plans, their vision, their aspirations, is that I've decided that I'm not going to be anybody's dream killer. And um, if you're doing something sinful, that's something else. You know, if you tell me, Pastor, I'm, I've, I've, I'm fulfilling a lifelong dream. Oh, what is it? I'm joining the mafia. I'm probably going to talk to you about that. Um, but if it's like, hey, I'm going to start this business. I'm going to venture out and do this. Hey, I think it's great. Um, you know, I might ask you a few questions, but listen, I'm just because something isn't particularly my style doesn't mean that I'm going to rain on somebody else's parade. I just don't see it as my place to do that. My, I see my role is, hey, let me help you to maybe ask some questions that you haven't asked. 
But listen, if you're going to venture out and you feel God leading you to do something, well, hey, God bless you. I want to build you up to do the thing that God has called you to do. Um, I used to be in a Christian band years ago, and uh, we put two albums out. And uh, in, in fact, there's actually, believe it or not, like still tribute websites to, to our band. And it's kind of embarrassing. But there's people that still like are there tattoos. People have gotten tattoos of lyrics from our songs. It really is quite odd because um, I don't even remember half the words. Um, but but here's the thing is that uh, this years ago, uh, this is before I was married, before I had even um, I was in maybe my first semester of college, but we were still I was still in the van. And um, this guy calls me and says um, he's in a band and he was in another part of Florida, like northern Florida, and he wanted to drive down so that he, we could, uh, he could play us his demo of his band. And so he drove, I don't know, six or seven hours to come and meet with us, me and the singer of our band. And um, so we took him to lunch. We felt like, hey, you drove six hours to come see us. The least we could do is buy you a 39-cent cheeseburger at McDonald's. Um, so, we bought him a, uh, so we bought him lunch, and we listened to his, his demo. And I don't think I'm understating it to say that it could be the worst music I've ever heard in my life. It was horrible. It's not, it, it sounded like they took all the instruments and didn't play them. They just smashed them up against each other to see what kind of sound they would make. It was really rough. And, um, and so my, my friend and I, the, the singer of our band, we didn't even look at each other while we listened to this 20-minute demo because we knew if we looked at each other, we were going to explode in laughter because it was just it was comedic at best. I mean, this was just so terrible. Well, we listened to it, and, um, and I'm just trying to find something, and I say to him, I say, so how did you guys, when did you guys record this? And he says, oh, you know, I, I just have this little four-track recorder in my house, and, um, and, uh, and, and that's where we recorded it. And I, and I thought, hey, that actually sounds really good for a four-track recorder. A four-track recorder, really, you can't really do that much, especially the old ones that were on cassettes, and I won't bore you with that. I mean, basically, you're like rubbing stones together to make fire. Um, but but anyway, so he, so I'm like, hey, th- doesn't this sound amazing for a four track? Well, anyway, we spend the, the entire lunch talking about his skills of recording uh, on a four track recorder. And, uh, and, and and, you know, the weird part is and I, I re- we realize this later. He knew his band wasn't that good. But, you know, he respected us and he just wanted us to, like, maybe speak into his life a little bit. And, but, you know, but for us to criticize or, or laugh or whatever, it was just going to crush him. And, and, and but what we did is we found something positive. We accentuated it. Now, here's kind of how life takes interesting turns. Uh, he, that band, thankfully, for the rest of us, broke up. OK, so they did not make any more horrible music. Um, but then here's what happened. Him and one of the guys in that band, they started another band. That band was amazing. That band actually ended up getting a record deal, and they put out two or three or four really, really good albums. And um, after the, that, that, after between the time that him and I had lunch, and within two years, he had signed a record, a, a, a record deal with the, with the label. They had put out their first album, and um, he's playing at this. Then he was playing at a show up at a at a place in Fort Lauderdale. And my buddy and I, we drove up there, and we got passes and whatever. We went in. And um, this guy talked about how much our band and him and I, my, the singer in our band and I, in particular, had an influence on him. And the point of the matter is this, is that there is something that happens and that it's not just like, well, doesn't somebody need to tell him the truth? Listen, he's going to come to the realization that his band isn't any good soon enough. 
But the truth of the matter is, is that there's too few people in this world that just are willing to build people up and encourage every outlet that you turn on the radio, television, whatever it is, most people that are around us. It's really just nothing but sarcasm and just comments that are going to drag that are going to drag you down. And listen, if you want to stand out, you want to stand out. Listen, be someone who encourages people, be someone who builds other people up. And I want you to notice something in particular that Paul does in, um, in these verses. And if you read all the way through verses 1 through 16, um, he, he names all of these people. But he does something. He doesn't just say like, hey, this person, he's a really good guy. No, I want you to notice two things about how Paul builds people up. Number one, if you're no, taking notes, uh, notice what they do specifically. If you want to build someone up, uh, notice what they do specifically. If you look at Paul's list, he isn't vague about what these people do. In verses 1 and 2, he talks about Phoebe. And he says, Phoebe is a faithful servant. She's been a helper in many churches, and she's been a helper to me. Now, once again, this idea of her being a helper means that she was a servant. She's someone who had the gift of service. So she was a a person who physically wanted to help people that were in need. In verses 3 through 5 that he read, he talks about Priscilla and Aquila. And he says, listen, those people have risked their lives for me. And here's uh, sometimes when we want to like say thank you, here's what we do. We welcome say, hey, thanks for all you do. Like, what does that even mean? That's lame. No, instead, be specific with the with the compliment. You know, if, if you if listen, um, if, if, if you're married and you want to be specific, listen, hey, thanks for bathing the kids. Thanks for putting their pajamas on and getting them ready for bed. Hey, thanks for reading the kids a story and praying with them um, while they they were getting you know, ready for bed while I was taking care of, of, of something else. My wife is six months pregnant. I just said to her this past week, thank you for changing the oil on my car. I really appreciate that. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just making sure you guys are awake. Um, but the whole point is the whole point is to just say, you know, to be specific about whatever it is that, that you're that you're uh, encouraging them about. You know why? Because it means more. It really it means a lot more. The, the second thing is this. The way to build people up, notice what they do specifically, and then mention to others what they do. Mention to others what they do. You see, when I tell my wife that what she cooked was great, she's happy. But if she hears that I posted a picture of my plate on Facebook, and, uh, and I say, this was the best food that's ever touched my tongue, she's ecstatic. Why? Because we all know. Now listen, let's just be honest. Can we be honest here for a minute? We all know that we've complimented people and not been telling the truth. Like, you know, we've told people, this is wonderful. You're at somebody's house, you're eating. Oh, this is so great. Can I have the recipe? And what you're really thinking is, I want the recipe so that I can burn it. So that no one else will ever eat this food again. Because these, this combination of foods should never come together. It's like an atom bomb of, 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 of culinary, you know. And, and, and the thing is that, but when you find out that if, if you um, cook something for someone... And they said they loved it. And they started telling other people that they loved it. You know that the compliment was real and you know that they really, really loved it. And listen, so that's why, listen, when somebody does something good, and this is one of the things that I, that I, I really am, am trying to, to, be, to be better at. It's not just tell someone, hey, this thing that you do, I, I want you to know how much I appreciate it. But to then tell others, hey, you know what this person did? It was really amazing. Because, you know... Everybody loves to hear that that someone was building them up. And when they hear, you know, so-and-so mentioned to so-and-so that you did something really nice, you know what happens? They're built up. 
They're, they're built up. They're, they're encouraged because everything that we hear is there's just so much negativity that it's very hard for us to feel um, to feel built up. And that's why, listen, if you want spiritual health, one of the things that you've got to do is get rid of the negative talk in your life and replace it. Look at what Peter says this is in first Peter two. notice the progression. He says, so get rid of all evil behavior. Be done with all deceit, hypocrisy, jealousy and all unkind speech. Like newborn babes, you must you must crave pure spiritual milk so that you will grow into full into a full experience of salvation. Cry out for this nourishment. And now that you have had a taste of the Lord's kindness. And I want you to notice um, the, the, the point that Peter makes. And it's like he does one thing. You're getting rid of this evil behavior, this evil talk, this evil speech, the stuff that you used to fill yourself up on and instead crave something this pure milk of the Word of God that will actually be something that will build you up. And so listen, this is a great way to do this. If you have kids in the children's ministry, when you pick them up, thank the person who's serving. You know that they're actually not here and they're going to be in there for both services so that everybody who attends this week can actually have their minds focused on the Lord, focused on God's Word, focused on growing spiritually, and they're saying, hey, you know what? Because we love to serve, we want to, we want to take the time to teach your kids at, at their level so that you can be here and focus on God's Word and focus on Him in this time. And here's the thing that will happen. If you, and if you just say, hey, thanks. No, don't say, hey, thanks. Say, hey, listen, I want to thank you so much for taking care of the kids and teaching my kids this weekend because I want you to know what I learned. This is what God showed me today, and I don't think I would have heard it if you hadn't served this morning. Listen, do you know what that'll do? Listen, that person's going to be walking on air for the rest of the day because they're going to realize that God was speaking, but they were now an instrument in God's hand to be part of your life and that they've been in some small way involved in building up your faith. And listen, that's why encouragement is so important. And that's the thing. And listen, if you want to be someone who's spiritually healthy, it's what we have to do. And to train ourselves to do this. And you know what you'll find? Is that as you encourage others, you yourself are more encouraged as well. Well, here's the second one. This one's a little more serious. Look at verse 17 in, uh, in this chapter. He says this. He says, Now I urge you, brethren, note those who cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine which you learned and avoid them. For those who are of such do not serve our Lord Jesus Christ, but their own belly, and by smooth words and flattering speech deceive the hearts of the simple. For your obedience has become known to all. Therefore, I am glad on your behalf, but I want you to be wise in what is good and simple concerning what is evil. And the God of peace will crush Satan under your feet shortly. And the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Amen. Now, if you pause there and give me your attention... Here's the second thing. And once again, if you're going to be spiritually healthy, you want to build up your friends. The second thing that you want to do is you want to beware of false teachers. Beware of false teachers. Listen, one of the keys of being healthy spiritually is to know what you believe. You've got to know what you believe. Uh, my wife used, years ago used to work at a bank and uh, when, when we were first married. And part of her training was learning how to tell the difference between real and counterfeit money. And um, when she told me that, I'm like, so I, I was kind of excited about that because I've seen like a lot of bank movies and I thought, you know, it's kind of interesting. And um, 
And I said, so what? So how does it work? I said, do they just show you like all different types of counterfeit money and then they examine it? And she says, no, actually what they do is all they do is show us the real thing and that there are certain markers that that'll tell you if this is the real thing or not. Because if you notice something, you ever notice that uh, counterfeiters don't counterfeit like three dollar bills? You know, nobody. That's why you never had anybody ask you, hey, you got changed for a seven. Right. Because nobody counterfeits. Uh, you know, because if you had that, it'd be a little suspicious. In fact, uh, they always counterfeit the real thing. Um, in fact, in my office, um, I have a $21 bill. I do. I, I, I got it. It was almost 20 years ago. I got it um, outside of Fenway Park. And this is when Roger Clemens was still uh, pitching for the Red Sox. And that was his number when he played for the Red Sox. And um, now it doesn't have a picture of a president on it. It's a picture of Roger Clemens on it with his Red Sox cap. But I, I'm telling you, I can, I'm not going to be able to go to lunch this week and, like, just take out my $21 bill. And, like, guys, don't worry about it. I've got this one. Um, it's not going to work out. And no amount of explaining is going to make it real. Even if I tell the person, well, my Roger Clemens 21 is like a 20 on steroids. It's not really going to work. There's just, like, eight guys that got that joke. All right. Uh, but, but listen, the same thing is true when it comes to Christianity. The fact that Christianity is copied. Uh, and, and that people attempt to counterfeit it and twist it shows that we've got the real thing. Why? Because people aren't trying to counterfeit a three or four, a seven or eight dollar bill. They're trying to counterfeit the real thing. I, I've, I've said this for years that I've, it's, it's interesting to me that there are no cults that are trying to twist Islam. There are no cults that are trying to twist Buddhism or Hinduism. Instead, Satan counterfeits the real thing and seeks to confuse and so what's the key for us to not get caught up in bad teaching? Here's the key. Know what you believe and be able to explain it. Here's what the Bible says in Second Timothy two: study to show yourself approved unto God, a workman that needs not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. I want you to notice something that Paul says in these verses. He says this. He says, I want you to note those that cause division and offenses contrary to the doctrines that you've heard and avoid them. Because there's two types of people. There's people that are caught up in bad teaching that are looking for truth and that are open. And then there's people that are caught up in all kinds of twisted things that instead what they're looking for is to corrupt you. And he says that those that actually cause division and cause offense, he says this, mark them and avoid them. Um, I, this happens to me every time I get a knock on my door and it's, uh, you know, someone from the Jehovah's Witnesses that, that, that come to my door. And I usually um, will open up and talk to them for a few minutes and I'll walk outside and they'll try to give me a magazine or something and, and we'll talk and um, they'll ask me what I believe about God or what I believe about the Bible. And Now, by the way, if you ever, you know, I know a lot of Christians, they just like hide in their laundry room, you know, until they go away or they turn the lights off or whatever. Um, if you're a little more courageous than that, all right, and you're willing to open the door, you'll actually, um, you know, you might be involved in a, in a, in a conversation that, that can actually, um, you know, sharpen your skills a little bit. But here's the thing that will happen is that if you walk out and if you do this, all right, this is those of you that hide out in your laundry room, you can, you know, tune out for a minute. Um, but those of you that are actually will open your door. Let me just share something, uh, a little tip with you that I think will be helpful. Um, for years, I have family members that are part of um, the, the Jehovah's Witness movement or the Watchtower 
uh, society. And um, I've and this is the question. All right. They don't do the Bible ping pong with them. That doesn't work. Well, the Bible says this. Well, the Bible says this. But, you know, you're going to they're trained in always changing the conversation. So if you tell them something that they don't like, then they'll just, well, but you believe this. And then they just kind of keep turning the dial. Here's what you do. You ask them one question. The question that, that was asked of Jesus by the rich young ruler. You say, how can I inherit eternal life? Because really, that's all it comes down to, right? Um, you know, who's right, who's wrong. The question is, who's going to get in, who's not going to make it? So how can I inherit eternal life? Um, if you want to see someone look like a deer in the headlights, um, you just ask one of these JWs and they knock on the door, how can I inherit eternal life? <laughs> you know, I mean, it's a, you think they got something like lodged in their esophagus. Uh, well, well, and well, you know, we, we do this. And I'm like, well, I appreciate what you do. And you go door to door. I appreciate that. Um, you know, the Bible says that I appreciate that. But how do I inherit eternal life? Well, you know, I mean, I'm, I try to be a good person and I try to, you know, read the Bible. And I had one of the guys last time they were at the house. They, I said, they said that to me. I said, well, how do I inherit eternal life? Well, they said, well, you know, I try to be a good person and a good husband and a good dad. And I try to read the Bible. And I said, I do all of those things. So according to you, I'm doing pretty well. So why do I need your magazine? And uh, like, well, you know, but you've got to be part of our organization. I said, so in eternal life comes from being part of your club, right? That's what you're telling me. And it, well, no, no, that's not what I mean. I said, OK, so let me just ask the, just to, for to not be confusing. Let me ask the question one more time. How do I inherit eternal life? Well, I'm not really sure. OK. And I said, well, good news, I am. So let me tell you a little bit. And uh and I said, and it's not even, it really doesn't have to do with me. And I said, can I borrow your Bible? And I'll grab their Bible and I'll say, listen, um, and I'll take them to 1 John chapter 5 and I'll say that this is how we can know that we have eternal life. In fact, if you read the book of 1 John, which we're going to study next year um, here at Calvary, it, several times, in fact, five times it says, and this is how we know that we have eternal life. You can know that you have eternal life. But see, when you're involved in, in, in a... In a um, in a cult, you can't know because everything is about working and it's about trying to earn God's favor and earn God's approval. That is one of the marks of something that is anti-gospel. That's not good news. If somebody says, hey, I've got great news for you. What is it? Jesus died, rose from the dead. And if you work your tail off for the rest of your life, you'll have no idea if you're going to make it or not. But you may have a chance. Wow. That sounds awesome. Sign me up. No, that's not good news, right? That's weird news. Here's what good news is. Jesus lived a perfect life. He died a perfect death and he rose again perfectly on the third day. And salvation is based on what he has done, not what I've done. And when I put my faith and trust in him. The Bible says this, that if you believe, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, then you will be saved. Not could be saved, not may be saved, not it's possible you'll be saved. It says you will be saved. And listen, my friends, that's why we have to beware of false teachers. We have to beware. Because listen, and sometimes say, well, you just talked about building people up and now you're talking about being, being, being negative. Listen, that's right. And listen, I'm telling you this because I'm a pastor and, I, and, and the Bible calls me to be a shepherd. And you know what, we, what shepherds are? They are loving to sheep. They beat wolves. 
And that's the way we need to do. Listen, when somebody knocks on the door, guys, when somebody knocks on the door of your house, you're the pastor, the shepherd of your home. And listen, here's what you do. You step out and you love the sheep that are in your home and you, you know, beat, if necessary, the wolves that are knocking on your door. So that they know. Let me tell you something. I haven't had guys come by in a long time. I've been living in my house now for six years. You know why? Because they have a list of homes to avoid. They do. I'm telling you because I I have family members that have been involved in this. And they just say, well, you know, that guy, stay away from that guy. He's nuts. You know, he knows the Bible too well. He's like a ninja. You know, stay away from him. You know, and listen. And how great would it be if they went into a neighborhood and they're like, there's like only four houses we can go to here because everybody else knows the Bible too well and they're not they're not going to buy into our they're not going to buy into our stuff. And that's why Paul says this. You note them, you avoid them. And here's why, because he says this, he says, because what they'll do is, is with their smooth and flattering speech, they will deceive the hearts of the simple. And by the way, simple does not mean simpleton. Doesn't mean like, oh, because I'm such a simple-minded person, I, I can't really comprehend these high-level conversations. No, um, that, that term in the Greek, simple, means uh, that the faith, uh, the, the hearts of people that are innocent and the hearts of people that are sincere. That it will corrupt those who are innocent and sincere. And listen, that's why getting involved with people who cause division will always hurt you. That's true outside the church and inside the church. You know, there are people who are Christians that love causing division. They love causing problems. They love talking like gossip about what's going on. Do you know that like just listening to that stuff is going to hurt you? And so what you do, you mark them, you avoid them. You say, well, you know what? I'm just not going to I'm not going to tolerate that stuff. You know why? Because I really want to be healthy spiritually. I really want to grow spiritually. And that's why I've got to mark them. I've got to avoid them. And I want to hang with people that do what? That do the things that Paul does, that build me up. Not the people that cause division and cause problems. Well, then look at the last part. He says this in verse 25. He says, now to him who is able to establish you according to my gospel. And the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery kept secret since the world began, but now made manifest and by the prophetic scriptures made known to all nations, according to the commandment of the everlasting God for obedience to the faith to God alone wise be glory through Jesus Christ forever. Amen. Here's the third one. If you want to be healthy spiritually, bless God continually. Bless God continually. Um, Sometimes what we can do is that we can turn prayer and we can turn praise and we can turn worship into a vending machine where we just try to push the buttons to try to get and extract what we want from God. And let me tell you why that's so harmful to us. It's because what it does is, is that it creates a consumeristic mentality of our faith. One of the, listen, this is the very same reason that marriages fail is because it's a vending machine relationship. I got married because there's something that I wanted to extract from the relationship. This is the reason why people fall away from God, why people backslide, why people go, you know, just some other way or they don't really walk with God. This is because there was something that I wanted and I prayed and I worshiped and I read the Bible and God did not give it to me. I pushed all the right buttons and I put in the right change. And here's what happens. The item that I wanted didn't make its way to the bottom so I could grab it. Listen, 
the worst thing that you could do is create an image of God where his role is to give us our laundry list of whims and desires. Instead, spiritual health is when I make, make worship the center of my life. When I worship God, not just for what he can do for me, but I worship God for who he is and what he's already done. You see, in Philippians 4, 6, some of you know this verse, it says, Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all that he's done. You see, most of us have the tell him what you need part down. Some of us have the thank him for all that he's done part down. But Paul ends by telling us to do something that that we neglect, and that is to praise him for who he is, that he is God, the creator of heaven and earth. And yet he cares for us. In Psalm 8, it says this. It says, O Lord, O Lord, um, how majestic your name fills the earth. Your glory is higher than the heavens. You have taught children and infants to tell of your strength, silencing your enemies and those who oppose you. When I look at the night sky and I see the work of your fingers, the moon, the stars that you set in place, what are mere mortals that you think about them? Human beings that you should care for them. Yet you've made them only a little lower than God and crowned them with glory and honor. Listen, you want to know a healthy thought for all of us? Is to think about this, that you and I, according to the Bible, are simply a speck of dust. Spinning around on a slightly larger speck of dust. That is part of a universe that's just a more collection of little pieces of dust. You see... Pride and all the spiritual unhealth, the pride, the envy, the lust, the anger, the greed, all of that comes. You know why? It comes when we start to think of ourselves as the center of the universe and everything is for me to extract what it is that I want. The cure for that, the cure for the greed and the envy and the lust and the pride, listen, is a healthy dose of praising God for who he is. The cure for the idols that we worship in place of God is realizing that that our Heavenly Father is the true and living God. Because, listen, if we really are just dust, then there's no reason that God should ascribe any value to us. That's what what does he say in those verses in Psalm 8? Uh, Lord, what is man that you're mindful of him or the son of man that you would care for him? But instead, here's what happens. We have value because God gives us value. That the God whom the Bible says the heaven of heavens cannot contain him became a man and died and rose again. Listen, we have value because value and worth is a gift from our creator, a gift from our God who loves us. It's not based on what we do instead; it's based on what he has done. And so as we celebrate in these last few minutes and we celebrate communion, um, we have this moment where we can come to God and bless Him and worship Him, not for what he, we want Him to do, but for what it is that He does, for who He is, for what He's already done. And when we do, we will become healthier spiritually in the process. Let's pray together. And Lord, we want to thank you. We thank you that 
You are our God. And Lord, our prayer and our hope is that we would release the diseases, the envy and greed and lust and anger and envy and all of those things which are found and rooted in self and instead embrace you and look to you. God, may we center our lives on you. That's our prayer. That's our hope. May this time that we spend together be some corrective medicine for us. In Jesus' name. Amen. Um, as we take a few minutes to celebrate communion, to commemorate the sacrifice that was made. You know, it's interesting to me that today we're commemorating lives that were lost, tragedy that took place. And yet no greater tragedy has ever taken place than when the Son of God was crucified by His own creation. And so this is the moment where we can begin to turn the tide and realize that we are not the center of the universe. And instead, that we are loved by a God who is. And we have worth and value not because of what we try to gain or extract, but instead we have worth and value because the God whom the heavens of heavens cannot fill him. He gives us worth and value. The elements that we'll hold in our hands in a moment symbolize that, that He was willing to die for us. What the Bible calls this treasure, you and me, that He was willing to sacrifice all that He had to reach out a hand in relationship to us. And so, Pastor Mark is going to play. And as he does, I want to invite you down. You'll see three communion stations. Um, you can go whichever is closest to you. And grab, take the elements, the bread and the cup, and hold on to them because we're going to partake of the elements together. And then as you, so take the elements, go back to your seat. And when you have a moment, as you have a moment, it's a time to really do business with God. It's a time to... To ask God, to God, where am I? What can I want to get back? So I invite you to come now. I'm tired.
I deny myself Take up the cross And follow you Wherever you go I deny myself Take up the cross And follow you Wherever you go Release me I'm tired of being the king of this mess. I take off my crown and lay it at your feet. Break these chains that bind me. Take me in your arms, I am yours. I deny myself, take up the cross and follow you wherever you go. Deny myself, take up the cross and follow you wherever you go. Release me. In 1 Corinthians 11, the Apostle Paul writes these words. For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the same night which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. This bread that if your looks like mine, it's pierced because he was pierced. It's burned because on the night that he was betrayed, all of his closest friends burned him. They took off as we did. And yet he still died the death of the cross because of his amazing love for us. Partake of the bread together. And he says, in the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. Blood, innocent blood that was shed for the purpose of those of us who are sinners, all of us who aren't so innocent could become innocent. 
we could be declared innocent because someone who wasn't guilty paid the price. That's why the Apostle Peter would say, you haven't been redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Let's partake of the cup together. And Father, we thank you. We thank you for being able to come to your table to partake of these elements to be able to experience the new life that's found in you. And Lord, God, we commit ourselves to you afresh, anew. Because Lord, our goal really is to walk with you, to follow you, to be more like you. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Pastor John is here.